Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can build your dream business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hey, hey, welcome back to My Business Playbook. It is glorious to be with you today. I'm so happy that you are here. We are talking about money mindset today. Now, it wasn't where I intended for the conversation to go. I will be honest about that. I thought we were going to talk about profit first. I thought we were going to talk about like practical systems to like build out and get more profit in your business. But the conversation went somewhere different. And I kind of love it when that happens. So we are going to be covering off a few pretty important things. I'm joined by Joss Willard and Joss is an international coach. He's a counselor and consultant, and he is a profit first professional, meaning he implements the profit first system, a system created by this really clever guy named Mike Michalowicz. We use profit first in our own business and it has been a game changer. So we have a few episodes in our podcast about profit first. And then this conversation, there's this other side of, you know, money and building a successful business that is all around mindset. And so I was really stoked to have Joss come and talk about how we can actually, whether you're a woo kind of person or whether you are really like numbers and data and like kind of sciencey brained, either or you're going to love this conversation. He doesn't go too woo. He doesn't go too analytical. It's like this perfect Goldilocks method in between. But we dive deep into how to actually build a better belief about money, how to consciously think about your relationship with money and examine it so that you can improve it. It's a really, really powerful conversation and one that I think is very, very important. So if you're interested in Profit First, we'll put some resources in the show notes so you can check that out. Definitely check out Profit First. We do go into it a little bit, but for most of this, we're talking about money mindset. We're talking about what you believe about money and how it can help you or hinder you. So this is a must listen. You're going to love it. Let's dive into my conversation with the wonderful Joss Willard. Well, Joss, my friend, it is so good to have you here. I love talking with you. I had you do a session in our coaching program, The Next Level Club, and we talked all things profit first. And then I was like, oh, we need you to come do an episode with the rest of our people um, to talk about profit for entrepreneurs. And you are currently holding a mug. And what does the mug say, Joss? (laughs) The mug says, I eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. (laughs) <laughs> or at least it used to before it lost some bits and pieces. Now yeah. it says something like, I eradicate entrepreneurial <laughs> yeah. poverty, but the, it's close. The dishwasher has um, diluted the message, but it's still, it's very good. Yes. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how to have a more profitable business and in turn have a more profitable life, really. And, and at the extension of that, I think that's really important for us to talk about. But before we dive into that, can you give like a 30 second rundown of how you came to be where you are now teaching people about profit? 30 second rundown. Um, okay. <laughs> I met a Canadian girl, moved to Canada from Tennessee, met her dad. He was in financial services. He asked me to take a look at their training um, just because I have a background in, in 
training and counseling and, and some other stuff. And uh, their training, which like all training and financial services that I have ever encountered, was terrible. Um, yeah. So he asked me what I could, what I would do to change it. So I wrote up a, a proposal for him basically. And then he had me come in and we worked with his people. And in about six months, they became the number two group in, in the country, in, in their company. Um, and so that sort of started this long, uh, windy road, wound up training um, actually thousands of financial advisors on how to have a business, how to work with clients, et cetera. And I became certified as a business owner succession planner. As a succession planner, I worked with business owners who would say, hey, I want to get out of my business. I think it's worth $6 million and you're going to help me get the money out tax-free or whatever. And I'd have to sit down and tell them, no, let's look at your numbers. Your, your business is not worth $6 million, unfortunately. You might get 600000 for it if you agree to stay on as an employee for two years and help with the transition because you don't actually have a business. You have a job and a client list, right? And maybe some mm. tools and, and something like that. And so in my infinite wisdom, because I knew that there were five and six figure commissions to be had at the back end, if I, if I helped them with this, uh, I would say, okay, tell you what, I will work with you for a year. We'll meet every few weeks and I will help you turn this business into something that somebody might want to buy. Mm. And then we can all make money on the back end. Well, you lose a third of them immediately because they actually don't really want to do anything. They're all, they're tired. They're burned out. The only reason they were thinking about selling is because they just wanted to get out of their business. They were hoping to get some money for it. So they quit. They're just like, no, I'm just going to wind it down. But the other two thirds, unfortunately, what happened for me was uh, over half of them, by the end of the working with me for the year, no longer wanted to sell their businesses. It was <laughs> profitable. They didn't have to come to work anymore unless they wanted to. Uh, like they built a business that somebody would want to pay $6 million for. And amazingly enough, most of the time, if you have a business that somebody is willing to pay millions of dollars for, you're not willing to sell it because mm. it's it's profitable. It is giving you the lifestyle that you want. It's giving you the flexibility that you want. It's an, it's an asset that you can will to your family. Like there's all kinds of great things about it. So that was great for them. But for me, because I wasn't getting paid to do the coaching work, because if in Canada, where I live now, if if you take a dime in uh, as, a, as an advisor or a consultant or something like that, you can't take commission on the back end. You're in a position of undue influence. So instead of making 50, 60, $100,000, I would make five. And that was not good for my, for my business life. So I went to my now ex at the time, um, he was now my ex father-in-law. We'd been through three companies together and told him this isn't any good. I've been sleeping on my office floor. All of the money that I'm making is going to your daughters. We go through this divorce, all this kind of stuff. And he and I were still good friends. And, and he said, well, maybe you should stop being a financial advisor and succession planner and get paid to be a business coach. So that was kind of the the impetus to where I started getting paid. So after four or five years of being an unpaid business coach, um, hung out the shingle and, and there was a, a bit of a, a windy journey there. I had a partner in some other things, but long story short, somewhere in around 2012, 2013 is when I specifically started being a business coach. And in 2017, I found Profit First, uh, became a certified Profit First professional in I think November of that year. And you know that's what that's what we do. Amazing. What a cool, like, I love that your journey started with, you were a counselor, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was trained to jump out of airplanes and blow up tanks in, for the US Army. And wow. I'd hurt my knees. And so they assigned me as a chaplain's assistant tempor temporarily. Yeah. 
And I wound up doing all of the counseling for like the AA group and the everything from I'm a thousand miles or thousands of miles away from my daughter's 16th birthday to oops, I've cheated on my spouse to uh, I'm feeling suicidal. Like all of, all of that mm, um, wow. with zero training. And then that led into, I, I had to go learn how to be a counselor and how to do coaching and relationship coaching and all that kind of fun stuff. So it's always been a part of like since I was 19, 20 years old, it's been a part of who I am professionally. Yeah. Um, and it, it plays well with the business side. Yeah, um, absolutely. Doing the business coaching because fundamentally our relationship with money is is incredibly emotional and incredibly personal. Yeah. And like I think a lot of people listening might be familiar with Profit First and I know we're going we're gonna to yeah. talk about that today. But I, I do want to talk about the relationship with money side of things because – the longer I've been in business, the more I've become aware that what I believe about money has a way of coming true or like it perpetuates yes. this this cycle. And so it's a really interesting thing that I think, I don't know if it's unique to being in business, maybe anyone with like any profession can figure out, oh, I need to figure out how I, how I feel about money and how I relate to money and, and what I believe about money. But I think being in business, you have this unique position where the money you make is entirely driven by you and what you charge is driven by you and how you how much money you actually can bring in and then what you do with that money, aka do you have profit, is does it just kind of burn a hole in your pocket and is it bye-bye? Like what all of those things, it's like mm -hmm. such a steep learning curve when you start a business because you realize not only do you need to know how to kind of the functions of, you know, managing money, but there's also this relationship with money that's really, really, I don't feel like it's talked about very much. So I want to know, what would you say, mo like, are there camps that people sit in where they have certain beliefs about money when they start their business or are there like, or is it just the wild west and people have the weirdest beliefs ever? <laughs> okay. So now you're, so first of all, disclaimer, I am not a licensed psychologist or therapist but I've played one on TV. Um, so <laughs> yeah, there's actually, there, yeah, there, there's, um, for a commercial, there are sort of camps. Hmm. Um, and for me, let's, there's a tool that I use when I'm talking to people called that I, I call the woo scale. Some people call it the woo woo scale. Um, and it's, it's basically, for me, it's, it, it helps me know what language to talk to you in. And there are mm -hmm. folks who are listening to this who will say, oh, she's talking about money mindset and the woo and how you attract. <laughs> and it's like, okay, those are, those, right? It's okay, folks. Calm, calm down. So the woo scale works like this. On the zero end or zero to one end are the hard scientists. Like if, if this mug, you know, if it's not physically in front of me, I can't feel it, touch it, measure it, it doesn't exist. Okay. That's yeah. the hard science side. That's the zero to one side of the scale. The nine to 10 side of the scale are the folks who believe that the universe is energy. We create reality with our thoughts. We are at one with the energetic and cellular structure of the universe, right? And I don't care which one you believe. Most folks are probably somewhere between a four and a seven. Yeah. And I don't care where you're at other than that it allows me to know which language to use with you. So there are folks who are on the 910 side who are going to think about their relationship with money is about energetically creating it or attracting it. Um, you don't get what you want, you get what you are, that, mm. that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then there's folks on the hard science end that we can still talk to. And it's about roughly the same concept. I'm going to put it in language that you can understand. I'm going to refer to your reticular activating system. And if you're a biologist, you know a little bit about this. Maybe uh, if you're a neuroscientist or something, you definitely know about this. But the reticular activating system is a part of your brain that tells your brain what to pay attention to. Okay. So our brain gets like, I think it's something like 10 million inputs every couple of minutes or something like that. And if we actually paid attention to all of the sights, sounds, smells, uh, feels like all the things that our senses pick up, we would literally go insane. Like that's, mm. that's actually a cause of, of different types of, of insanity. So we have the reticular activating system, which is the part that tells our brain everything else you can ignore. We still file it. Our brains still file those things, but it tells our brain, this is what's important. And an example of how that works is, Laura, when's the last time you, well, do you have a car? Yes. Okay. When's the last time you got a new car or a new to you car? Oh, maybe end of last year. End of last year. Okay. What'd you get? I got a Mitsubishi Outlander. Mitsubishi Outlander. Awesome. How much research did you do before you decided to buy the car? Not much. (laughs) Not just, much. Okay, cool. No, I didn't perfect. do much. I didn't, I'm not going to go into my story of it, but okay. I didn't do much. That, that's totally fine. <laughs> so you got this car and my guess is the day you rolled that sucker off the lot, all of a sudden there's Mitsubishi Outlanders everywhere. 100%. Yes. Right? 100%. Yep. Because what happened, there's, there are news for you. There are no more Mitsubishi Outlanders on the road now than there were the day before you bought that car. Mm-hmm. But because you now own one, your reticular activating system says outlanders are important. At least this one is. So brain, pay attention to outlanders. And so your brain is all of a sudden, everyone that zooms by, your brain goes, oh, there's an outlander. Oh, there's an outlander. Oh, there's an outlander. Okay. Yeah. That's an example. That's a hard science thing that our brains do. So if you say... I am ready for more money. I, there are more opportunities out there. If you're a 9, 10 person on the Wu scale, you say, I am attracting wealth. I am attracting abundance. There are all sorts of business opportunities available to me. What happens? All of a sudden, people you're talking to start saying things that lead to business opportunities. People introduce you to people who are potential business opportunities. Uh, you hear things, you see things all of a sudden. And if you're a 9, 10 on the Wu scale, you have created this. You've put it out in the universe and the universe has brought it back to you. Okay. Mm. If you're a hard science end person, what happens is you've told yourself, my business is ready to go. There's more money out there. There's lots of opportunities. And all of a sudden you start hearing people say things that have opportunities in them. People start introducing you to people. You start seeing, recognizing, hearing all of these opportunities start showing up. Now, if you're a hard science person, those opportunities were always there. But until you programmed your reticular activating system to say, yes, I'm ready for them. I'm ready for that money. I'm ready to accept it. Your brain just didn't pay attention to them. It didn't put that two and two together. I don't care whether you believe that you've created and attracted them in the universe or whether you believe that they were always there and now you just happen to see them and and recognize their importance. The principle is the same, right? The principle is you've, you've told yourself, you've created a different relationship in yourself to the world around you, in your case, to Mitsubishi Outlanders, yeah. in the case of this, to money. So that's one thing. There's that, that how, how we look at money, our belief system. If we believe that there's not money out there, that it's a tight economy, that everyone's sitting on their wallet, that 
it's a limited sum or zero sum game that the only way I'm going to get money is if I take it from somebody else. And that means there's going to be less for other people. You're going to see that mm. whether you've created it or whether you're just, you're, you're programming your brain to see all of the proof that that is true. That's what's going to happen, right? Whereas if you have programmed yourself to say there's money everywhere, we create money when we create value, there's opportunity everywhere, like that type of thing. Again, whether you create it or whether your brain just starts putting the pieces together to prove it to you doesn't matter. In effect, in your world, you have created it. You've put yourself in a place to attract or find or create, however you want to define it, money. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize and don't recognize. It's one half of the equation. Yeah, I love how you've explained that because I probably sit somewhere in the middle. I, I'm i an action. I like to take action. I, I'm like, hey, I'm not going to just manifest something and, and let it, you know, just kind of chill out. Not that I'm saying mm -hmm. that that's what the people who manifest things do, but I'm not just going to do that. I think, but at the same time, I do think the way I think has consequences. I think what you think about Absolutely. and what you inherently, what you believe, what you think you end up believing and what you believe has a way of becoming reality, whether or not exactly what yes. you're saying, whether or not it's that you've created it or if it was just always there and you've just you've just noticed it now. Confirmation bias is a thing. Like yeah. we, even if it's a case of we're just out, we're just seeing all of the things that prove to us what we already, what we already believe. Our egos, once we say a thing is true, your ego kicks in. And mm. at that point, your ego programs your reticular activating system to, to look for and find and point and have your brain highlight all of the things that prove that what you believe and what you've said is true is true. Yes. Okay. That's so interesting. So for someone who currently has a belief about money that they've recognized in themselves, this actually isn't helpful and I need to change it. Whether it's mm -hmm. the economy, no one's spending money or I'm too expensive. No one in my niche will, will pay what I'm, what I think I'm worth or X, mm -hmm. Y, Z, whatever that belief is. What is your first step to help someone to create a better belief or a more helpful belief. Okay. So there's a few things. Typically we get into asking the questions. Like if I, if I was working with someone as, as a client, say we'd start saying, all right, so tell me what you, what's your belief about money? Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you feel? What do you think? When I say rich person, what's the first feeling you have? What's the first image that comes to your mind? Right. Mm -hmm. And you'll get anything from, I want to be that or, freedom or like any, you'll get, a, you'll get positive things and those can be just as damaging. We'll get there in a second. Or you'll hear, um, greed or mm. evil or bad people or thief or like, you'll get the, the negative thing out of it. Anyway, you go, okay, that's interesting. Tell me why. Right. And I'm not, a, I'm not a therapist. We're not going to go deep, deep down into the, the muck and find out that in your childhood, you found a penny on the street one day and your dad slapped your hand and said, no, you know, put that down. And ever since then <laughs> to you, money has been painful. That's, that's, that's not where we're going. And that's, you don't need to go there. Right? Yeah. But it's, we just ask the question of why have you chosen to believe these things? And then we have, we get to use a, a tool that I got from Dr. Wayne Dyer or 
more more accurately, Wayne Dyer, PhD. Um, and now the late Wayne Dyer. How many times can I say Wayne Dyer's name? Okay, so <laughs> uh, he he wrote a book called um, Excuses Be Gone, and in there he has a tool that I have found very useful with my clients, which is this. It's a simple question. And the question is, is it true? Mm. The definition that whatever this idea or belief is that we're questioning must meet in order for us to answer yes to this question is it is 100% true. There is zero possibility that anything else could be true, right? And we know that primarily nothing is going to, almost nothing is going to meet that criteria, Hmm. right? So let's say you have the belief, you realized um, that you have the belief that having money means I'm taking advantage of clients. If I charge a high ticket, I'm taking advantage of people. Okay, great. So now let's ask the question, is it true? Is it 100% true that if you charged high ticket, if you charged $5,000 to work with you, you're taking advantage of your client? Is that 100% true every time there is zero possibility that could be anything else? Well, let's see. Um, it's possible that somebody really, really needs it and I'm the only person that can help them. So in that case, it absolutely would be worth it. So there's one possibility. Um, there are other people that charge more than me mm. that don't actually even get as good a results as I do. So well, that makes it potentially not true. So we've already got two possibilities for it. So the answer is, is that 100% true? The answer is no. Beautiful. So when that happens, now we have an option. We, have, we can choose to believe in one hand that it's true or we can choose to believe the opposite, that it's not true. So if we know that it, that it might not be true, we get to choose what does the opposite mean? Okay, so if the, if the, if the belief is, if I charge $5,000 to work with me, I'm taking advantage of the client. The opposite of that would be what? Like, Laura, what would you say? What, what would you put forth as a potential opposite? That $5,000 is a fair value exchange if, if you're providing something that the client wants. Oh, ooh, wow. Look at those caveats that you just kicked in. We've got some work to do with you. No. Yeah, okay. okay. You so, can, I can be your uh, client right now. All right. So if the negative or the possible negative is, the first belief is if I charge $5,000, I'm taking advantage of the client. Would, would you look at a potential believable opposite that could be true is $5,000 to work with a client is a steal? Yeah. Oh, as in a steal for them. Steal for them. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't want, well, maybe let's not use that language because we don't want to start thinking that it's unfair the other way because then that causes another problem. So let's say it's a a great opportunity for them, Mm. right? So our options are I'm taking advantage of them or it's a great opportunity for them. Yeah. Now, both of these beliefs have a possibility of being true, Mm. right? We we, we, we don't know, we can't guarantee which one is going gonna, is gonna to be true. So you have a choice. You can choose to behave as though either one or the other is true. It's your choice. The question for you then is, which one allows you to move forward? Mm. They both have a possibility of being true. They both have a possibility of being false. What the percentage values is doesn't really matter. But if you were to choose to act as though one of them was true versus the other, which one would allow you to move forward? Mm. If, you, if you choose to believe that $5,000 is taking advantage of the client is true, you're not going to move forward. 
because you're a decent human being and you don't want to take advantage of people. Hmm. So let's choose to believe that $5,000 to work with you is a great opportunity for the client. So now you don't have to believe it. We just act as if it is true. Yeah. So what would you do if that was true? Well, you'd probably charge $5,000. You might think about raising your price above that. Mm-hmm. Right? You'd start looking for clients that, that agree with you, that believe that that is true, that $5,000 to work with you is a great opportunity for the client. You'd only start having conversations with people who believed that that was true, right? All those things. Now, it is entirely possible that somebody's going to interrupt you and come in and say, ah, $5,000? That's a ripoff. You're totally, you'd totally be taking advantage of me. And you say, oh, I'm sorry. I would never take advantage of you. Clearly, $5,000, if you don't see the value there, that's fine. I won't work with you because I'm not going to take advantage of you. I'm only going to work with people for whom $5,000 to work with me is a great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And forward you go. Yeah. And, and then because you've acted as if you believed that the opposite is true, right? That it's a great opportunity to work with you for $5,000. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like, they'd be stoked to work with you for that. Then you start attracting those people. Or if the in the sciencey one to two on the mm-hmm. woo scale, they might be like, I've just, I'm noticing those people and I can, I can pick who they are and the characteristics and I can kind of identify them in the crowd. Yeah. And then when someone does come in who isn't that right fit or, or does think, oh, this isn't, this isn't valuable for me, then it's not, you know, earth shattering to your, you're not like, oh my goodness, I'm taking advantage of people. It's just that maybe that person they they are not the right fit for this offer because this offer is right. It's been working for X Y Z amount of people as well. So you've got the proof, yeah, that informs the belief as well. Yeah, and your ego is now working to help you prove that the good op- that it's a good opportunity. That there are people that believe it's a good opportunity. Like all these things are there, helping mm. to set you up psychologically. It's behavioral, psych- behavioral psychology, which is one of the things that we actually use in Profit First in helping with cash flow management and, yes. and all that kind of fun stuff. We, In any given situation, what we want to do is it's less about trying to force you to change and fit into a box. It's more about you have certain behaviors, certain habits, certain beliefs And we can actually use those behaviors that you already engage in to leverage your psychology to help you be successful. Mm. And there's a tie into that, and we can go way into the weeds on this, about cognitive behavioral therapy and the cognitive model and how emotions affect thoughts or cognition, cognition affects action. Action affects both thoughts and cognition. So it's not a circle. It's a, it's a triangle with arrows going each direction. So if you change any one of those three points that your stool of the state that you're in or how you're thinking or how you're behaving, if you change any one of those three legs, you change the whole thing. Mm. And so we can change your behavior if you're more open to changing your behavior. Or as most people say, well, those are my habits. Those are my behaviors. I can't change those. Okay, great. Let's talk about your beliefs about those behaviors, your thoughts about those behaviors. Or we can change your emotions, how you feel. You change any one of those three things and I can help you move forward with something positive. And we can do that with money too. It's just like that. Yeah. So 
for someone who is like starting out in this space of going, okay, I've, I'm going to kind of almost examine my, my thoughts and beliefs on things and kind of almost hold them out. Um, cause I think sometimes they're in our head and we don't ever take the moment to go, let's just examine like my behavior, my emotions, my thoughts, mm-hmm. like lay them all out on the table and go, okay, what is helping, what's serving me and what is kind of weird and, and do I need to adjust? For someone who then acknowledges, okay, cool, I need to adjust this. Are there any like, you know, I don't know, this might be wanting a quick win when maybe there's no quick win here, but like, are there any like affirmations or things you can do daily to help improve your mindset around money or anything really? Sure. There's a lot of things. So here, here's a thought, and this may or may not help, but this is a belief that I hold. Um, and depending on how you feel about yourself, this may or may not help. Money does not change people. Money magnifies who you already are. Okay. So if we can accept that one as true or choose to behave as though we believe that is true, that means that if you're a good person and you believe and fundamentally believe that you are a good person, if you realize that money magnifies who you are, then you don't have to worry about it changing you and turning you into a bad person. Instead, you can think about all the good parts of you that get to happen on a larger scale when, not if, when you have more money. Mm. You can do more good. You can help more people. You can reach a bigger space. You can, you can, you can influence things at a larger scale. All of these positive things. And if you believe, as most of us do, that we are inherently, that we are. Everybody else might be complete. <laughs> Terrible. Right? Everyone else might be an oxygen thief, but we, I'm, I'm amazing. I'm a great grand human being. And if we believe that, yeah. as long as we believe that there's positive in us, we can give ourselves permission. In fact, it doesn't just become permission. It becomes a duty. It becomes a responsibility mm. to make lots of money so that we can do a larger amount of good. Now, does that mean we have to believe that we're going to change the world? Does that mean that we have to, like pick whoever you think, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Bill Gates, I don't care who you think is is the best good person in the world, right? You don't have to be that person. You can, you can be a person who does great things for your family. Hey, is it just you and your dog? Great. What if you could adopt more dogs from the shelter? Mm. What if you could, maybe you don't even want to adopt more dogs. What if you could just fund shelter so that your local shelter becomes a, can become a no-kill shelter because they've got the money to be yeah. able to continue to support the animals, Yeah. right? You're, it's not about changing the world. It's about changing your world. Mm. And your world can be as big or as narrow as you need it to be, as you feel comfortable with. And as you get more money, as you get more opportunity- you might decide, I want to widen my world. And you, you could widen that world by going, okay, I'm not just going to help dogs like my local shelter. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk to shelters all over the state or all over the country or all over the world. So you can go broader that way or you could go even narrower, but still bigger. You can say, I'm going to help my shelter. It's not just going to be a no-kill sh- shelter though. I'm going to help my shelter become, we're going to take over a city block 
of warehouse space and we're going to turn it into that shelter, right? Or I'm going to make sure that my shelter, this one shelter that I'm supporting is providing top end raw food. Like this shelter is going to be a spa <laughs> for the animals that are fortunate enough yeah. to come here. Like however you choose to do it. Yeah. Because here's the thing about making lots of money. Nobody said you have to keep it all. Yeah. So good. Okay. So we've got this mindset piece and then we've got this practical piece of, you know, and I know it's kind of a joke. You're holding the mug that says eradicate entrepreneurial poverty, but there is an mm -hmm. element of like, we can see a lot of money come in and a lot of money go out and kind of not really feel in control of that. And I, I know that this is where the profit profit first system is incredible. That's what we use in, in our business. So I want to, I don't want to go too much into the nuts and bolts of profit first, but I want to speak more to the psychology of taking your profit first. And, you know, like some of those things that are embedded into the system that help you to go, Ooh, okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm winning and I'm making progress. I'm going to keep going. Talk to us about yep. why you think profit first kind of works in really well with, you know, our kind of human psychology. Okay. Well, uh, it's, it's fundamentally built on human behavioral psychology. Like that's, that's one of the fundamental principles of profit first, how Mike McAllowitz put it together. Uh, he based it on how do we already work as humans, right? Mm. So going back to when we talk about what is the reticular activating system pay attention to going back to, um, and I, again, I, we don't want to go too deeply in the weeds. I could, I can talk, I can geek out about psychology all day long, but there's a thing called the primacy effect, which is, um, well, we can demonstrate it really quickly. Yeah. Have you ever gone to the doctor and been told or any medical professional and been told, you know, Laura, you've got this thing going on, or, you know, if, if you don't start taking better care of your health, bad things are going to happen, right? Mm. Did you come out of that meeting with the doctor going, you know what? The doctor's absolutely right. My health is the most important thing. I'm From now on, I'm going to start putting my health last. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. We don't put important things last. We put important things first. That's why we call it the primacy effect, right? What we, what we feel is important, we, we try to put at the top of the list. Now, if we have some psychological things around that, like around health, we might try, we might push it away. We'll put it at the top of the list, but we'll avoid it because we think there's bad things around there all kinds of, there's all kinds of other psychological tricks that we will use to, to circumvent trying to make ourselves better. But fundamentally speaking, the way that we, the way that the accountants and the bookkeepers and bless them, I love them. I know literally hundreds of them. I work with dozens of them at any given time to help them make their businesses better and help them make their clients' businesses better. But the profession, the profession uses what we call generally accepted accounting principles, GAAP, GAAP, which by the way, in and of itself, generally accepted accounting principles doesn't mean that they are real, doesn't mean that they are true. They're just generally accepted. We've mm -hmm. all agreed that we're just going to kind of use this. Mm -hmm. And they're not even rules. They're not even laws. They're not fact. They're principles. Yes. Right. So they're generally accepted principles based on accounting. And so because we all sort of around the world have agreed that this is basically how we're going to do things, well, there's some variations from country to country, but generally speaking, this is how the accountants have agreed that they're going to do, how they're going to do things. Yeah. Well, 
that was built primarily around what makes sense in a book, what's easy to track in an old handwritten ledger with debits on one side, credits on the other. And by the way, credits are the opposite of what we think they are. And debits are like debits are income, <laughs> credits are outflow as far as account. Like there's so much with the accounting world that just is bonkers. And, you know, power to the people that can understand it. But yeah. the point is, it all goes counter to the way our brains normally work. Look at debits and credits. When you hear debit, that doesn't make you think income. That generally makes us think outgo because debts and debits are closely related. It's just part of the language, blah, blah, blah. And credits should be, should be income, right? But no, they're, they're out. So it's, it's opposite of the way we tend to think. And in those generally accepted accounting principles, one of the things that's out there is that profit is the last thing. It's the bottom line, right? We hear that all the time. Profit is, what's the bottom line? What's the profit? Well, because the way that they teach it is revenues, whatever they are that come in, minus expenses, all the money you spend, then what's left at the end is profit. Well, unfortunately, the way that our brains work, there's another principle out there called Parkinson's law. Ah, notice it's a law, not a principle <laughs> that says that generally speaking, our demand for a resource will expand to meet the supply. This is why when you have two weeks to do a project, it takes two weeks to do the project. If you have one day, because the deadline is tomorrow, it takes one day to do the project. The fact of the matter is, whether you have two weeks or a day, it takes one day. Why? Because the vast majority of us wait until the last minute and then <laughs> yes. knock it out in that last minute, right? But we take, but we feel fully, fully justified and say, well, it took me two weeks. I need two weeks to do this. Mm. Right? Well, it's the same thing with money. So if we tell our business, hey, you know what? You can spend as much as we've got the business is going to spend it all, and and mentally we will spend it all. There's there's all kinds of stuff um, and about how when uh, when our resources go up in a business. Okay, so let's say let's say you're a business that makes ten thousand dollars a month. Then all of a sudden you have a fifteen thousand dollar month. All of a sudden you start thinking about being a fifteen thousand dollar a month business instead of a ten thousand dollar a month business. Mm, and so you go, yeah. you know, I might need an office. You know what? I might need this subscription to this software that allows me to serve at this level. And all of a sudden you're spending, you can spend $15,000 a month real quick. Yeah. But then the next month you have an $8,000 a month. We don't reduce our spending as fast as we raise our spending, yeah. which is how we, we get into trouble. We, and that leads to another psychological thing called loss aversion. Well, I, I want the nice office. I want the cool software. I want to be able to, and we don't want to let it go. Once we have it in our hands, we are less likely to let it go. This is why a thing called the puppy dog close works. The puppy dog close was if I was a pet salesman, I would come over and I would give the kid, I would say, here's a puppy. I'm going to let you watch the puppy just for tonight. Here's the food and everything. I'll come back tomorrow to pick up the puppy. And when you come back tomorrow, those kids will not let that dog go. Heck, <laughs> so you true. probably don't want to let the dog go. You've had, yeah. it's, not, it's your dog. You've bonded with it, right? So all that kind of stuff is all... The psychology is real. The psychology is strong. And we have that psychology about money. So with profit first, it's not profit first, profit over everything. It's not profit over people. It's not we're focused on profit. It just says instead of revenues minus all of the expenses will leave us with profit, we say revenues minus profit leaves us the money for expenses. So we tell our business, mm. you can have what's left instead of we'll take what's left after you've spent it all. Yes. Because your business, I kind of like to treat my business like this little living little organism. And sometimes it's mm -hmm. a little monster. <laughs> 
that mm-hmm. takes all your stuff yep. and it just keeps you up at night and it's just the worst. So I think the the thing of going, right, this is what it, it kind of just gives you it's just been it's been so powerful for me to be able to do this in our business because it's given me and especially for a lot of our audience and I'm not going to speak for everyone but for myself I'll just speak for myself as a creative and Joss you know our audience in our coaching programs we're all creatives yep. and so we love the we love dealing with clients we love like creating and new things and like we're not necessarily systems and numbers people and of course there are some yes. who are amazing at that but the thing that I kept finding was I was avoiding looking at my bank account because I was going, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to make me feel anxious. So I'm going to like, I don't know where my money's going, yes. what's going on. And then by doing profit first, we just know it's it's not the accountant looking at three months ago saying, oh, you probably shouldn't have spent that. <laughs> it's actually us going, yep. right, every fortnight or every two weeks, we're looking at the things and actually we probably look at it more regulate than that. But it's looking at the things and going, all right. Also for me, sometimes if I look at my account now, instead of going, oh my goodness, what have I done? What have I spent my money on? Or like, oh, or, or like, <laughs> or like, oh no, I'm good. I'm good. It actually is really good for me because I'm in the driver's seat. And so sometimes I'll look at my account and go, oh, I could probably make some more sales. So I'm going to go out and do that this month. And it just gives me mm-hmm a bit more agency in the business to understand, okay, this is what the business needs. This is what the business requires. And I don't know, it's just given me a bit more control. And I found it, I found it to be as a creative person, again, who doesn't love numbers, this has been easy for me to implement. And I wanted you to speak to this too, because seeing your profit in your account (laughs) go up, even if it's, really small to begin with there's something about that that you're like oh my gosh I'm not touching it like I just want I just want it to mm-hmm. like you feel this like yep. I run this thing and it's profitable so why do you think that works why does the putting little bits why does that work so well it goes back to the psychology right so it's a, it's a number of things there's some momentum around it right yeah you start pushing and you start going and you start and it starts building and building and you start feeling really good about it. It's also the psychology of there's money here. Yeah. I have a reserve. I have more money if I need it. Now, it might only be five bucks, but I've got more <laughs> money if I need it. Like that that kicks in, right? And the, it, the proof that you can do it mm. is there. Why? I, look, it, there's money in the profit account. I can, I've proven I can be profitable. I can make this work. As a, as a business coach who works with a lot of creative coaches type, creative and coach types and, and, and folks like that fully understand the mindset. My wife is a creative, she's an artist. Like I fully, there, and there's this, I don't want anything to do with the money. And there are some creatives actually kind of like my wife who love spreadsheets and, but they gotta be yeah. color coded spreadsheets. And, oh yeah. Right? But, but for a lot of folks, it's that fear of the money. What does it mean? We think that when we look at the bank account and it's overdrawn or it's, it's going to tell us we can't do something. Mm. it's going to tell us that we're failing. It's like, as my wife puts it, and as a creative, you'll get this. When you start a creative endeavor, you start a picture, you start a project, there is that that moment of excitement. You're, you're excited at the beginning. There's all the possibilities. 
And at some point, as you start working through it, you get, you reach the gates of doubt (laughs) and you go from, I love this. I'm so excited about this to what the hell was I thinking? I don't know if I can pull (laughs) this off. I don't know if I have the technical skill. I don't know if I'm able to get this done in time. Like all the doubt starts happening. Right. And it's usually about partway through. There's, there's some place for my wife. It's like, it's halfway through. Right, that all that is like. I don't know if I can do this. I've I've pushed myself beyond my skill set. Have I promised more than I can deliver? Right, but then you keep going because you have to deliver it. You've mm-hmm. pro- so it's like I'm going to do the best I th- I can. You keep going, and all of a sudden you get through it. You get through that moment of that, and as you see the proof, oh yeah, I mean I, yeah. I figured out. And it might be like let's say it's the flowers. You got like four a bunch of flowers you got to have in, in this in this section, and you're like, oh my gosh, how do I do these flowers? These roses are just like, and you focus on one. You might redo that one like twelve times, but as soon as you get that one, you're like, oh, I can do yeah. that. And then you do the second one, and you might mess that one. You're like, okay, now I can do a little bit. But all of a sudden, like you get that third or fourth flower, and now you're just like flowers all day long. I got this. Yes. And then that momentum picks up, and that like. And by the time you're done at the end, you're showing up. Look what I did. Look at this. Is you see? Do you see the flowers? Do you see? Like I've had to. Fig- you know how hard that was for me to figure. I figured it out. L- let me show you what I did. Like that. Just pride yeah. that comes. Right. Same thing with the money. You have the profit account. When you started your business, you were excited about your business. You're like, oh, there's this thing. I'm going out on my own. I know I can do this thing. And then you got to a point where like, oh, the money, I don't know if it's flowing in the right way. I've spent money. I don't know how to manage these expenses. I don't know how to, if I can, have I promised more than I can deliver? Have I, like I've subscribed to this? Like all the, it's the same process. Mm, yeah. That, but the challenge is this, just like when you're in an art project, if you stop, if you walk away, you go, look, this is too hard. I promise you, I, I, I just can't. I walk away. The, the tragedy is that that art that's in you never sees completion, never gets fully out, never sees the light of day. You don't get that lovely experience of, I am so good at this. Mm, yes. Right? It, it doesn't happen. Same thing with money. We do that with our business. We stop looking. I don't want to look at the money because that's telling me that I don't have the skill set. I haven't gotten technically proficient enough to yeah. make those flowers of money look good. Mm. Right? So if you find yourself in an art project stuck where you're not technically proficient enough to figure out the flowers, what do you do? Well, you go look at YouTube or you go read some books or you go start practicing on another canvas, right? Or whatever it is. Well, with this, Instead of trying to force you to use the the broad brush that is generally accepted accounting principles, what if we could show you some techniques that are actually easier, especially if you've ever used watercolor or uh, or pastels, or if you've ever used Adobe or Photoshop? Well, you can use uh, was it Lightboard, Light Panel, like the what if I can show you, oh, this is these same skill sets that you've built over here, we just bring it over here. It's just called something different over here. Or you use a different command key or a key, yeah. keyboard shortcut or whatever. Yeah. That's really all we're doing is taking the skill sets you've already built as a person who's a, a successful creative and whatever your definition of successful is. And by the way, if you don't feel like you're a successful creative, you definitely need to talk to us. Yeah. Because we can fix that too. Like, but the skill sets that you have built going through life to this point, however successful or however you question, whatever, you've already built skill sets 
that are positive. And we can take those skill sets and transfer them to managing money in a way that doesn't feel like, oh, I've got to learn how to be an accountant. I've got to learn how to, like, yeah. listen, if you try to do the things that accountants are teaching you to do, they want you to pull out your P&L once a year. <laughs> yes. P&L being your profit and loss statement. Yeah. They want you to pull that out once a year and they want you to make your decisions, project into next year and multiple years based on your your profit and loss mm. statement, which by the way, you don't get for three to six months until after that year end is over, which means what they're asking you to do is effectively drive your car down the freeway at a hundred miles an hour. The only thing you get to use to navigate is looking through the rear view mirror. You don't, you have to paper over the windshield mm -hmm. and just yeah. look through the rear view mirror. And by the way, that rear view mirror is on a three month delay. <laughs> How successful do you think you're going to be driving that car? It's so, that's so true. And I think to be fair, like you can find really good accountants. We work with an accountant that mm -hmm. they're epic and they, they implement profit first, but you that's really, <laughs> yeah, you really do have to find those people who understand yep. small business. If you're working with an accountant that does, and, and I've done this in, in the past and they were epic accountants, but they were a bit too big for us. And mm. I- yep found myself going, in, avoiding calls with my accountant because this isn't who we're with now, but who we were originally because he was speaking mumbo jumbo and I was like, he confuses me and I'm avoiding it. So like yep. the, if you can work with someone who can sit with you and go, all right. And like, can understand that if, if you're going to do profit first, the system, understand that system and can actually sit with you and go, let's be strategic. Let's not just be reflective because the, yeah. Like exactly what you're saying. Like, no, let's look at 90 days ago. As a business owner, we're like, I don't care. I don't care about 90 days ago. I want to know what's going on right now, and I want to know yeah. what's going on in the well, next 90 days. Yeah. And as a business owner, we tend to go, okay, I need to spend money on something. My computer blew up. Uh, I have an or or I have an amazing opportunity to market. Yeah. Or Laura's running a a great opportunity for a masterclass that can double my revenue. I've got, I need $3,000. I need $5,000, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. We go look at our bank account and we go, is the money in there? And we go, yes, yeah. great. I can, I can throw it. And, and that's really where the accountants, that's what drives the accountants nuts because we go, oh, there's $3,000 in my bank account. I can spend that. And the accountant is like, um, did you forget that you already promised $2,000 as, as, uh, Tax. paycheck for your employees? <laughs> did you forget that you are, you also have $500 that you pre like, the accountants yeah. don't want like it's it's out of defense, right? They're really they're trying to protect you, they're trying to help you, but it, especially for creatives, our brains don't work that way. We don't fit in the boxes. That's not what we do. Yeah. Right. So with profit first, or or there are other ways that you can do it, but with profit first, basically, we're not saying hey, put everything in the boxes. We're go into sorry into the boxes. We're saying you know what? Let's throw all of this into this bucket over here. We're going to put all the paintbrushes in this bucket over here. Uh, we're going to put all of the, uh, all the acrylics are going over here in this bucket over here. Um, you know what? The, the canvases that's going in this bucket over here. And that's it. It's just, it's, it's four or five buckets and mm -hmm. we're just putting the money in the buckets and we're predetermining. We're saying, you know what? I am not going to put any more money in this bucket because I don't want to lose it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm limiting so that I this this particular part of my monster of my business <laughs> only gets this much food, right? Because we don't want the, like, we love our dogs, but our chihuahua should not weigh 50 pounds. 
No. Right. And if we let the Chihuahua just eat, it's going to weigh 50 pounds just before it dies. Just like our business. Right. So we, we limit, here's the bowl that you get to eat out of Chihuahua. We love you. We want you to grow. We want you to be healthy. So we're not going to let you overeat. Wow. I've mixed so many metaphors. No, but I love it. I love it. And the final thing here, I think is even if like, Joss, what would you say to someone who is just doing their own thing? So they might be a sole trader or a solopreneur and they, they might not really even Mm -hmm. have a team as yet is profit first still a good system for that person. Absolutely. It is. Um, that's the short answer. Yeah. Generally, the way I will say it is this. If you're a creative, if you're a solopreneur, you should be keeping like for your family, for your fun, anywhere from 50 to 70% of the money you make. Yeah. Most solopreneurs are keeping 20 to 30%. Mm. And it's just because they don't have someone telling them, here's how, here's how to set it up so that your business feeds you instead of you feeding your business. Yes. Right? It's, it's, it's totally. very similar to your time, to time management. If you're a solopreneur, you're wearing 27 different hats mm. and it's really easy to be working 120 hours a week because yeah. you just, oh, my, I need this needs to get done. I've got to do it. That needs to get done. I've got to do it. Well, the same thing with your money as a solopreneur. It's really easy because you feel, we go, oh, I've spent, I'm spending, I'm working 120 hour weeks, but I've made this money. I'm now going to spend this money. So I only have to work 110 hour weeks. Right. Totally. Or, and, and it just, it just goes out. It, we can show you a balance really simply so that, you know what, what if you could keep 50, 60, 70% of the money that you have coming in and only be working 25, 30, 40 hours a week, however much you want to, mm. and have the lifestyle you want and the money you want and be doing incredible things for your clients. Yes. It's, that's what we do. And I will say that until you look at your numbers, if you are, if you're feeling like it's money in money out, you're working like 60 hour weeks or whatever it looks like, and you're still not making enough money, or it looks like Mm -hmm. you're making money, but you're not making enough profit. You're kind of just all goes to your expenses. That's when it's time to increase your prices. But until you have that data and you know that like, For me, when I started looking at what does it cost me when we were doing websites, it was like, what does it cost us to do a website? What does it cost us to do for me to be doing a VIP day with a client? And then I realized, oh my goodness, I'm significantly undercharging here because I'm not taking into account 30% disappears for tax. Like you kind of have to just go, ah, that's gone. So then what are you left with? So it's like, I think we need to- we need the reality check and the reality check doesn't mean I've got to work an extra 30 hours a week or whatever it is. It could mean, no, a really simple solution is I need to increase my prices and, and streamline my delivery so I can save time, make more money. Like there are solutions that you can find when you look at your numbers and go, oh my goodness, what, yep. where's it all going? There are solutions, but you can't know that until you look at the numbers. Yeah, and here's the, here's the reason that most of most of us, especially creatives, will avoid looking at the numbers. We're afraid that the numbers we know what the numbers are going to tell us. The numbers are going to tell us that it's not working, mm-hmm. and we our problem is we don't we we know it's not working. Yeah, we don't know how to fix it. We're afraid we don't know what to do to fix yes. it, or that we can't. Mm-hmm. Listen. Your numbers are not going to tell you that you are failing. And I know as a creative business owner, that is really, really hard to separate. Mm. 
Yes. Right. Us and our business. It's really hard to separate. Understand. We go through, we do an instant assessment. It doesn't, it's by the name instant. It doesn't take very long. We can sit you down and get to those numbers and whatever those numbers say, however bad you think they're going to be, that is not saying you are failing. Hmm. It's the first step in going, this is what's broken. Here's how to fix it. Yes. If you look at the numbers, we can show you how to fix it. And by we, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying you come work with me or, or necessarily a specific profit first professional, but work with somebody who knows numbers. Work with profit first professionals are great. Yeah. Laura is amazing. Like any of us that I've dedicated our lives to helping creatives, coaches, consultants do these things, sit down with us. One of mm. the first things we're going to look at is those numbers and they will tell us you can stop running around trying to put out all the fires. Yes. It'll tell us exactly where the right fire is and exactly what to do to fix it. And you can stop stressing. You can stop worrying about being a failure. You can stop worrying about not knowing how to fix it. Yeah. Step one is knowing what you've got and where you wanna go. Step two is, ah, this is my next step. And please don't be afraid of looking at numbers with someone. That's the biggest thing. I know so many people are afraid of looking at numbers because A, they're scared of numbers or they're scared of money or they're scared that it's gonna say, that, that it's going to show them that they're a failure or they're scared that they don't, it's not working and I don't know how to fix this. Mm. I have to give up on my dream. You don't. You know when you have to give up on your dream? When you've put your head in the sand long enough that you finally suffocated yourself. Yeah, that's really true. And and I'm, I'm uh, so thankful for this conversation, Joss, because this has been something, and I'm a huge believer, and if you've listened to our podcast for a while, you know that running a business is a skill. And in the same way, understanding the numbers side of your business is a skill. And if I can learn it, you can learn it too. It's it's really uh, not as scary as you think once, once you kind of have a system to follow. So I really want to encourage you to lean into this and don't ditch. What I see a lot of people doing is they do the mindset work and they don't do the practical stuff or they do the practical stuff yeah. and they ditch the mindset stuff. It's actually both. We need to yeah. have a handle on both things. And that's why I think, Joss, this has been such a good conversation to have the two things working together and seeing how they kind of intersect in Profit First, which is super valuable. Where can people connect with you, Joss? Because I know people will want to get more insights from you. Where can people find you online? Uh, well, my website is is very complicated. It's ProfitForCoaches.com. Um, yes. Same as the name of my podcast, Profit for Coaches. Uh, you can find that on any anywhere you get podcasts. You can find Profit for Coaches, um, ProfitforCoaches.com. You can actually find the podcast there. Um, you can book a call with me there. There's a, a scorecard you can take there to, to, you know, how how close is your business to profitability? You know, those types of things. And I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, search for Joss Willard, and you'll find me. Incredible. Well, Joss, thank you so much. And I know that like people listening to this are going to find this so valuable. And I know that you've already added so much value to our coaching clients. So thank you again for your time. Thanks for your generosity. Um, you are incredible. It's been a blast. I love talking with you and I love talking about Profit First and, and I love talking about making business owners successful. So, I mean, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> so good. 
I hope that you found that super, super valuable and helpful. I know for me, there are a lot of things that I can optimize and improve in the way I think about money. And then the practical side of implementing a system that allows you to really manage your cash flow in a way that's really effective and simple because that's the big idea. We want it to be simple. We want it to be sustainable for us as creatives, as business owners. So I hope that you love that episode. I want to just let you know, I interviewed a girl whose name is Amy Bett and we went deep into Profit First. So if you're kind of like, I want to know more about the Profit First system, there are a few things I want you to do. In the show notes, we are going to put a link to buy the Profit First book. Highly recommend you read that. It's really simple. You're going to love it. Second thing, I'm going to link to an episode we did with Amy Bett where we talked deep about Profit First. You're going to find that super helpful. And of course, we'll link to all of Joss's resources and his website as well. If you love this episode, please share it with a friend. We want to get the word out about our podcast so that more people can build incredible businesses and build a business that serves them. So if you want kind of that good business karma, then or whatever you believe in, send it out far and wide, send it to a friend, post it on Instagram, because you never know who needs to hear this message. Alrighty, my friend, it means the world to me that you're here. I hope that you have a wonderful week. I'll see you back here same time, same place next week. But in the meantime, go get them.